All right. Welcome back to the Dagger for another episode here. If you're tuning in Wednesday morning or later this week, it's a little bit of a change to our schedules. We apologize for that. I'm Justin Pierce alongside Corey Kennedy. Corey, how was Salt Lake City? It was good. Yeah, we, we're doing a little Tuesday edition of the Dagger because uh, I was I was out of town and Salt Lake City and Park City for the weekend. That was fun. Got to do some mountain biking, a lot of hiking, hanging out with the family. Um, so, but yeah, and then JP had to work a 12-hour day yesterday. So we, we had, a, and there's a lot of sports going on too. So we thought it'd be better to bump back Tuesday and, and get a full coverage, coverage in. Yeah, good timing in between some of the NFL that's going on this week uh, that just ended week two and then some of the NFL that's going on on Thursday uh, we wanted to be honest with you guys and just bring you guys a full extent of what we want to talk about this week. Honestly, I mean, like it's going to be the NFL is off to a great start. I mean, there's some crazily crazy surprise teams that we're going to talk about, and there's some really really disappointing teams that we're going to pretty much roast uh, throughout the podcast. But let's let's get started and go through the rundown for to for this week's show uh the the whole chargers dilemma we're going to talk about that anthony lynn going bonkers and basically saying justin herbert's a backup quarterback we're going to say why this is such an outrageous idea to call your franchise quarterback a backup uh after one of the best games of his life also we're going to go into some nba talk uh lakers doing their thing uh they just lost the nuggets we're going to debate if they're in trouble or not also, we didn't forget the Clippers. The Clippers are the Clippers, so we're going to talk about that. Sorry, Corey. It just has, it just has to come up, buddy. Uh, and then go into some uh, Stanley Cup final talk, a little bit of golf as well. And then we have a new segment coming up later in the show. We're going to introduce that uh, to you guys when we can. So stay tuned. It's going to be a great show, and let's get started. So... The Chargers just decided to play Justin Herbert when Tyrod Taylor was getting chest pains, and apparently he got injured during warm-ups. So he got injured during warm-ups, and Justin Herbert came in and just pretty much tore tore the whole field apart. Uh, outplayed Patrick Mahomes in his first ever NFL start. Uh, basically, it basically came down to a field goal at the end at at the end to tie it. Uh, Kansas City tied it. Harrison Buckner knocked in the what was it a 30 yard shot or something like that yeah so they knocked it in uh chargers got the ball first in overtime went for it on fourth down uh or didn't go for it on fourth down rather uh, it was a fourth and one and they decided to punt which is a, you're gonna give the ball to patrick mahomes he's gonna go score and that's what kansas city did uh harrison buckner hit two 58 yard field goals in the game, Kansas City wins in overtime. Corey, what, what's your initial thoughts on Justin Herbert's performance? Not only that, and but the comments after made by Anthony Lynn. Yeah, that was a that was a crazy Sunday afternoon for you know, especially the weird situation going on with Tyrod Taylor. I believe that he got taken to the hospital after to figure out what that chest pain was going on, and and so that's a whole another separate thing going on, but. For Justin Herbert to be thrown into the fire, you know, against this defending Super Bowl champions and have an outing like he did, 
And, you know, to get in that rushing touchdown first and then follow it up with his first throwing touchdown. And that, that was pretty awesome. And I think he really provided that spark that Tyrod wasn't able to give in week one. And, you know, the, the Chargers went up against the Bengals. They won 16-13, just barely, you know, avoided overtime by a missed field goal from the Bengals. And so, and then you fast forward to the next week and Justin Herbert takes the defending Super Bowl champs to, you know, almost overtime too. So, or actually did it, he did take him to overtime. Um, so yeah, yeah. And Justin Herbert, he can, I knew, I, had a, I knew that he could get out there and perform and ball. And I thought we talked about this and we thought maybe it'd be a little bit later, maybe week seven, week eight. And then we also thought there was a possibility he wouldn't play the whole season. So but for week two, for this to happen, was like, wow. And Herbert really performed well. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've saw, I saw a stat today, which completely blew me away. And it was Justin Herbert passed for 311 yards in his NFL debut. Uh, typical stat, but this one blew me away as well. Um, Tyrod Taylor has only passed for 300, 300 yards in guess how many games? In his career, Ooh, uh, I'm gonna say about five, maybe five, six. In 47 career starts, he has one game where he's thrown 300 plus yards. Wow, one game, dang. <laughs> one game in his 47 career starts. So Tyrod Taylor is a journeyman. Uh, he, I personally, as a Charger fan, I wanted him to start at the beginning of the year uh, and not have Justin Herbert see the field at all. And obviously that wasn't the case. Justin Herbert got hurt and, or no, excuse me, Tyrod Taylor got hurt in week two and didn't get, didn't get the chance to start uh, against that Kansas City defense. So having Tyrod Taylor get hurt and having Justin Herbert go out there and pretty much outperform him against a better team says a lot. And then Anthony Lynn, oddly enough, coming out and saying that uh, Justin Herbert should be benched and, Basically, they're going to roll with Tyrod if he's 100%. And I don't necessarily blame him for defending Tyrod. I think it's a little bit of a weird remark to make after a game where you basically take the Super Bowl champs into overtime. And, you know, obviously Herbert made a bunch of rookie mistakes in that game. I mean, like, it wasn't, it was pretty evident. I mean, he only turned the ball over once, but that turnover did lead to eight points for Kansas City. So, I mean, Tyrod does not what Tyrod does well actually is not turn the ball over. So, I mean, him like having Tyrod's poise back there uh, is a big game changer for the the Chargers, but the Chargers offense in total just looks a lot better with Justin Herbert. Do you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, you know, one thing about, you know, obviously one downside of making that risky play, kind of what Phil Rivers did, you know, kind of some somewhat similar to like Eli Manning did making those crazy throws is that, you know, you're going to get the turnovers, but your that offense might not be as exciting to watch and you won't get those big chunk yards down the field. Um, so, you know, yeah, with Tyrod, it's maybe the safer bet, you know, the veteran player, you know, the system a little bit more, more experienced, but, you know, you just look at the 16 points week one against the Bengals. And even if you look down the roster too, you know, Austin Eckler didn't have too much production in the, in the passing game. Um, Keenan Allen, not really much either. And, and Hunter Henry too was, was somewhat limited and boom, you, you throw Herbert in there and it's like, it's a whole new spark. Yeah. I mean, I get why they want to 
they don't want to rush Herbert right away. But after that performance, you can't really uh, you can't really take him out after that. I mean, he didn't deserve that anyways. Honestly, if we're gonna be um, if we're gonna be completely honest, uh, we all we've seen guys' careers get completely torn apart because of how rushed they get into a system and how rushed they get to playing in the NFL. Um, I'll take a couple quarterbacks, for example. We're going to look at Josh Rosen and look at his career and look what it's turned into. Uh, he was drafted 10th overall by the, by the Cardinals, and uh, the next year he's on, a, on another team, and there's a new head coach with a new quarterback, and Josh Rosen's basically a service backup now and a practice squad quarterback. So just, just in his third year into his uh, career, his – it's basically ruined and he hasn't really had a fair shot to start basically his own franchise. So, I mean, if you, you want to take that for an example and look at Herbert and have them like, like say, yeah, no, we don't want Herbert to do that. And like have, have him go into that situation. I totally get it. But the chargers, unlike the Cardinals back in 2018, uh, the Cardinals or the chargers rather had, have a ton of weapons and a ton of offensive line help for Herbert. So, and he's really mobile and athletic and big. So, uh, Cam, Cam Newton's 6'5 and 235 pounds, and Justin Herbert's 6'6, 235 pounds. So, just take that for an example of how incredibly athletic he is for his age and how big he is and how smart he is. Uh, I was really impressed with him on Sunday. Uh, if I was the coach of the Chargers or offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach, whatever decision-making role I would get for that team, I would not take Justin Herbert out. His confidence is sky high. You don't want, you don't want to mess up a QB's confidence. Um, and, you know, it's, I mean, it's super early in the season. I mean, he could still learn. I mean, he's, he ran the offense well. I didn't know how well he was going to do under that offense, but he ran it well. And he looks like a, he looked like a completely different quarterback from when he was at Oregon. Like at Oregon, he was, missing a bunch of throws like he was making I mean he was making stupid decisions more often during big games uh we didn't really see that I mean the mistakes were there but they were minimum uh minimized compared to like when he was in college he was recklessly recklessly throwing into double coverage and like uh consistently throughout games and throughout big games rather like Washington and Arizona State last year uh but Justin Herbert, it looks like a completely different quarterback than um, than last year. I mean, we noticed his footwork is much better. Uh, we noticed his mobility and on-field awareness is up there too. Like it, it just looks, it he looks well developed, and the Chargers did a great job of working with him and putting him out there into a good situation. Yeah, definitely. And I think something that's that's super underestimated about him is his. his mobility and his rushing ability too you know when I went out when I the first time I ever got to see him play in real life was I my junior year at Arizona I got me and my dad and brother went out to Eugene Oregon and Herbert had just came Herbert just came back from injury and he just lit up the stadium and he he I he had a couple at least two rushing touchdowns and he just tore up the Arizona defense um and then you saw also two in the Rose Bowl last year he had a handful of couple couple rushing touchdowns too and then his first touchdown in the NFL is rushing touchdown so he's got he's got some good legs on him um, and another interesting thing too about it was 
watching Hard Knocks because, you know, Hard Knocks was um, the fall of the Rams and the Chargers this year. And Tyrod looked like that veteran guy that had the offense under control, was going to be their guy for the year. And Herbert, you know, was looking a little bit more shy and, and thought maybe he was going to be inconsistent throughout the year and this and that. But when you got him on the field in real life in a real game, it seemed like complete role swap role reversal and and Herbert looked like that veteran guy that was sparking the offense and so yeah that that was and that was pretty crazy too and just think about you know we're going through COVID going through a pandemic no pre no preseason games no legit OTAs and and contact drills for a long time and so this is just such a wacky year and to get I guess maybe it's fitting to just have about five to ten seconds before the game starts to say hey Herbert you're you're starting and uh, and you're getting the go. So, and I mean, maybe that was good for him. He didn't have he didn't have to, you know, go 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 to bed that night freaking out. He's thinking he's starting. You know, SoFi Stadium in LA. You know, first game of the year, first game of my career. But boom, you just got thrown in, and and he he did well. Yeah, and something to think about also. I mean, we don't want to get hyped up about a quarterback after one game, but like we're yeah. we're NFL fans. What can uh, what can't we do? about that so seeing <laughs> Herbert go out and do his thing and have a career day in his uh, debut is pretty amazing honestly like throughout his whole college and NFL career he never played that good and it kind of reminds me of when Daniel Jones uh, started against the Bucks last year in his first start uh, he had one of the best performances uh, for a rookie to, uh, for a rookie quarterback that we probably have ever seen um, he threw for 336 yards and had two touchdowns and didn't throw any picks. I mean, um, he did, that was, that was his peak though. So, I mean, he huh. did win the next week against Washington, but like he hasn't, I mean, he's lost, like he's lost probably like 11 of his last 12, 12 of his last 13 starts. I mean, yeah, he peaked his first two weeks, and it looked like um, that was pretty much what uh, Ryan Leaf did as well. He won his first two starts, and then it went completely downhill for the rest of his NFL career. But he had more than just football problems. There was a lot of off-field mm -hmm. stuff that um, basically everyone already knows about, and that we don't need to get into. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Ryan, I mean Daniel Jones, like he, I mean he he had a career day against the Bucks last year, and like, I mean. Uh, that that people could people could say that could be Herbert, but I think this year's quarterback class is much better than last year's. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's it really just depends on what we're um, what we're looking at for what kind of pieces that Herbert has around him, what kind of help he has. I think he's in a good offense, and I mean he people forget at, at Oregon he went through like four different offenses. Oh, yeah. And they were they were through going through like unstable times and like they missed bowl games his freshman year and um, his senior year they went to the Rose Bowl and won I mean such a big develop such a big developmental prospect for uh, from Oregon so just having him do what he normally does and um, going out there and ball going out there and balling out is a great sign for the Chargers he's going to be really good once he actually gets his chance and once Anthony once Anthony Lynn will let him I mean pretty pretty asinine to not start him at this point I mean don't you think yeah yeah that was you know that was one thing that we kind of or we can get more into is that you know Anthony Lynn he didn't kind of put the Bill Belichick code over it saying you know we're gonna we're on to 
Or who are the Chargers playing next week again? Um, They're playing the Panthers. Panthers, yeah, he, yeah. So it's like he didn't he didn't really say like you know we're moving on to the Panthers. We're 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 looking you know we'll make the decision when it comes. But you no, know, Anthony went straight on and said Herbert's not our guy. Tyrod's going to be our guy, and if he's healthy, he'll go. So yeah, I thought that was you know I mean, and if you look at it from Herbert's perspective too, it's like you you throw me into the game of five seconds before the game starts, and then. And then you don't really you say in the post game that I played okay and I you know I could have done better things and I guess it's all understandable but it seemed like he almost threw him under the bus a little bit there um, and and went straight to you know Tyrod's our guy but it just seemed a little bit it just came it felt like it came from a weird spot like and maybe like he was a little bit closed minded to the potential of what Herbert can be but so you know I don't know it, it did seem a little off to me that that Anthony would not get excited and and you know kind of get down as a rookie quarterback yeah I mean uh it was also weird too I mean like it seems like with the history that Tyrod and Anthony Lynn have together uh they're super close as they were both in Buffalo um they were both in Buffalo and they worked together up in Buffalo uh when Tyrod made the playoffs uh in 2000 I think it was 2017 am I if I'm correct uh, but yeah, in 2017, they made the playoffs and, uh, Anthony Lynn was up there. Tyrod was up there. No, it was 2016. My apologies. Anthony Lynn became the head coach, in, uh, during the 2017 season. So, uh, 2016, uh, the Buffalo made the playoffs, played the Jags lost, but I mean, it was, it just goes to show that like, I mean, they're, Anthony Lynn has an emotional connection with uh, Tyrod Taylor. And it just shows uh, that, you know, he's being a little bit, he like, he's playing, playing favorites. If it seems like with his quarterbacks, I mean, he's not going to, he's not playing the better quarterback, obviously, but it just, it's just like, like he couldn't, he couldn't have made it more obvious that he's favoring Tyrod. So, I mean, not having, not having your uh, rookie quarterback out there week one, understandable, don't play him the whole year if he if he's not ready. Uh, they should have just played Easton Stick, honestly. Easton Stick, the sixth round pick out of North Dakota State. I mean, that could have been I I mean, that's that they had a choice to do that, and they could have done it. But I mean, um, instead of like playing Herbert. But I mean, like it's just it just feels weird that Anthony Lynn decide, decides to settle uh, instead of settle with Tyrod instead of take a risk and go with Herbert when this this is the best team that probably Herbert's going to have throughout his career but because he's on a rookie contract so um yeah it's, it's 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 just super weird to me honestly to see that but it's also super weird with um also because of the amount of play calling that he had um play calling miscues that he had in the game and I mean they they went for the field goal with like three minutes left instead of going for it on fourth and goal, uh, kicked the field goal and gave the, uh, gave the ball back to the chiefs and trusted the chargers defense grant. The chargers defense was playing spectacular that game. Uh, Mahomes had one of the worst games of his career against, uh, against the bolts on Sunday and they still won uh, because of how close the chargers kept it. But also in overtime too, we saw that uh, the chargers went, uh, didn't go for it on fourth and one decided to punt to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs so that that play calling was definitely weird so 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what like logic was behind that, but I mean, like that was, that would have been one of the big, big exceptions I would have given uh, Anthony Lynn to go for it there on fourth down. So it was all super weird. what did you, Corey, did you, uh, what did you think about that? About deciding to punt it? Yeah. And, and overtime and in the fourth down and the fourth down field goal too with, 330 left in the game yeah yeah that was that was a rough look you know especially going in as you know underdogs in that game essentially and you know with with your rookie quarterback and you know and then the, the Chiefs made the right call too with they they punched it in on fourth and one to get into that field goal range too so um on their end so yeah I just think I I wish Anthony Lynn would have been a little but would have been a little more aggressive on that and and would have gone for it Rather, you know, I just overtimes. I just hate when games end up getting decided by a field goal because I feel like these guys are battling, you know, for four quarters, you know, extra quarters and overtime, and and they're going back and forth. Guys are risking their bodies, and then it's like, okay, a guy just kicks a field goal, and then it's over. So I feel like I, I would have liked to see Anthony decide to run that ball up the middle, or you know, use a rookie quarterback and 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 fake handoff and run the bootleg or something like that. But he's got so many weapons on that offense. And just to, to punt it away, it's just kind of rough, especially without Derwin on, on, at, at the safety position too. So. Yeah. I mean, they didn't, it's clear, it's clear. It's, um, excuse me. It's clear as day that they entrust uh, Justin Herbert out there on fourth down, fourth and short. Uh, they definitely would have gone for that, uh, for that fourth and short with Rivers. Uh, we saw it in 2018 when um, it was like week 14 or may have been may have been week 15. So week 15 when they, when they were playing the Chiefs and uh, like they were playing basically for to stay alive in the division and Anthony Lynn decides like to go for it, go for two at the end of the game as time expires with um, with Philip Rivers out there. Um, with Philip Rivers out there and they're playing basically to stay alive for the division. Um, There's like three seconds left. The Chargers uh, got within one, um, one point. It was like 28, 27. Uh, they ran their two point play and Mike Williams caught it. Mike Williams caught it. And then uh, they beat the chiefs that day, but it's just weird to see. Uh, we've seen Anthony Lynn take risks before and be bold, but it was just super weird for him to play it as play uh play this team as safe as he did and it was weird to kind of see him play to not lose instead of for him to play to win so yeah yeah and you might have thought too you know if they're if they're in a packed stadium and and you know it's brand new stadium in SoFi it's like you feel like the Rams got the job done they won in SoFi Stadium the Raiders got the job done and they won in the opener of their at the Death Star and so it's like the Chargers just you got to do what you got to do and you got to pull out that win for, you know, but eh, I guess it is what it is. And um, the Chargers will definitely, you know, they'll get another shot at the Chiefs and Arrowhead. And so, you know, in that division. And, and so it's going to be a battle this year. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be, there's a lot of competitive teams in the AFC West. I mean, we've seen, uh, we saw Oakland go to 2-0 on Monday night and, when the Broncos are healthy, they're really they're a big threat as well. Uh, they played the Titans really close, and same with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers with their with their backup quarterback too. So um, 
let's get into that actually. There's a ton of injuries on Sunday. Oh, uh, there's a ton of injuries week two. We saw Saquon Barkley, your running back, your boy, uh, tears ACL. He's out for the season. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had like a high ankle sprain, I'm pretty sure. He's out for a few weeks. Uh, Michael Thomas, too. Michael Thomas is dealing with some injuries. And then we saw the 49ers get hit really hard with injuries on Sunday at MetLife. So Nick Bosa out for the year, torn ACL. Jimmy Garoppolo out for a few weeks. Uh, Raheem Mostert out for until further notice. Uh, just what are, some, what, are, what are some of the reactions that to all the injuries that happened in week two? Yeah, I mean, and also too on the Niners, you had George Kittle that got hurt in week one. So he was, George Kittle was already out of the game too. So yeah, I mean, the Niners are, that returning to the Super Bowl campaign is looking is, is looking tough. And, and, you know, Nick Bosa last year was just, I feel like he just lit up the NFL and really made that Niners defense what it what it was projected to be this year. So, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to try to repeat what they did last year, especially after these, these injuries. Um that's just injuries are just brutal. Yeah, I mean it it's just I mean, you hate to see injuries happen and especially without uh, a lot of time to 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 prepare for some of these games. I mean they had OTA uh, they didn't have OTAs, they didn't have training camp. Uh, normalized one at least they didn't have any preseason snaps for and for some of these guys to come out and like uh just go straight into it right away I mean it's 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 a really tough look especially if you're like an like an NFL veteran who's looking to just get some snaps and stay keep his career alive I mean um yeah it's a really tough look for some of these uh players just to see just to see how um vulnerable they can get once they're once they're playing in like a real game and like moving around like that for the first time in eight months I mean it's devastating to see all these injuries and uh it just shows that like I mean they need the preseason they need the um, OTAs training camp and all that that's that's the good part about football I mean they go out there get their reps and stay conditioned and stay in shape throughout the whole season uh, it's such a rapid progression with no, no, basically just normal practices and then regular games. I mean, it was, it's just, it's super rare for some, for all of these injuries to happen. And only in 2020, this would happen. So. Yeah. 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 I totally agree with you on that. And yeah, it's just, it just, I watching hard knocks with the Chargers and Rams, you know, I'm, I'm sure there were different teams had different approaches to this somewhat non-contact practices that they had to have but yeah it, it seemed like it took forever for the for it to be clear to have to have pads on and then there were just real there was just no real game like simulation really even even in the scrimmages that the teams had with, with each other um there's only a few few minutes you know handful of minutes where they can go full contact and that was mostly with the rookies and the fringe players that were trying to make the make the team so it's like yeah I think I think that it's you got you have to look at this and say yeah this is probably you know an effect of or this is probably caused by the lack of contact um that like you were saying i know watching some watching espn yesterday some of the former former nfl guys are saying like you usually see these injuries in you know otas or in the preseason that are and they're not as just on the big stage that you see these injuries but you know week two is really like, like you know week week one or or even before um preseason in, in normal times if you go by that 
that time frame of, of contact. So yeah, just that's a tough that's just a tough get right there. And you know, I think that these injuries with these star players too is like, you know, these are elite athletes with you know, Saquon Barkley is a guy, he's probably the last guy you think that would get a leg injury, any type of leg injury with the, you know, just insane quads and like you look 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 like you, you throw a knife at his leg and it would just bounce off. So it's like it's like how did and and the the ACL injury did look like it wasn't like someone ran right into his knee like it looked like you kind of spun around a little bit and it wasn't it was only, it wasn't non-contact but, but it just kind of you kind of makes you think like about ACL ACL protection and you know maybe are these our players going to have to start wearing knee braces more often like the O line O line does um, to protect their knees or, or or if the NFL will start to penalize more people for going for the knees or you know maybe we'll see something different but to have these star players with all these ACL injuries is just brutal yeah I mean yeah I mean it it just takes the it it takes the chargers off the hook a little bit uh they're usually an injury prone team uh knock knock on wood for anyone listening in uh (laughs) but yeah no it's 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 Clearly, it's devastating to see some of these injuries happen, especially the 49ers. I mean, this is like the third time in four years that we've seen Jimmy G injured. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, hurt, it hurts for, for that team to be decimated at that position again and have C.J. Mullins go in and pretty much steal the spotlight and steal the show. So, I mean, um, hey, what can you – I mean, what can you do? I mean, with some of this – with some of this stuff. Like, injuries are all luck in the NFL, like, I mean, it's a physical violent sport. I mean, you're, you're not expecting to see some of these players get hit the way they do. So, I mean, yeah, devastating for sure. Um, but let's talk about the Cardinals. Let's talk about the Hi. Cardinals and Seahawks. Uh, two MVP candidates, I think, uh, are in the making, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Uh, we saw DeAndre Hopkins tweet um, – out his MVP campaign, um, he's starting with Kyler Murray, uh, and then we saw DJ Metcalf do the same thing for Russell Wilson. Yeah. So through two games so far, what what do you like about bo- both quarterbacks? Yeah, you know, for me, so this is one thing I want to talk about too later in the in our in our new segment. But Russell Wilson to me is the best. He's for me, he's the best quarterback in the NFL, and and in my opinion. Um, and so, and Russell just, I think, you know, this, this NFC West division, basically everybody's two and zero except for the Niners who are one and one. And yeah, Russell Wilson, I think it's just everything that you get in a quarterback and with the IQ, you know, the Super Bowls, the, you know, the knowledge that the head coach to go along with it. And, um, yeah, Russell is just a, a straight baller. And then Kyler Murray is you know, he's, he's taken a whole different spin on, there's a lot of comparisons between the two just because of their size off the bat, but Kyler has a whole, has a kind of his own vibe to, to being a quarterback. And, and you saw that on one of his recent touchdown uh, rushes that he had, where he kind of jumped up in the air and like levitated in the air. I don't know if you saw that, but he, he like levitated in the air, shimmied around the guy and just burst it to the, to the pylon. But yeah, Kyler, they, these guys are both special. And, you know, Russell's been, been doing this for longer. But, yeah, Kyler is just right behind him in this. And, you know, yeah, both teams 2-0 and special guys. 
Yeah, I mean, it's all going to come down to who wins the division, too. I mean, both of these teams are going to make the playoffs, it looks like. Um, but Kyler, I mean, Kyler's up there, man. He's flashy. He's electric. He ran like a 4-4 at the Combine. Uh, so he's an athlete for sure. And he right. turned down baseball to play for the Cardinals, basically. So uh, he took a big risk there. Uh, it's paying off really well. He's in the offense he wants to be in. Um, I don't know if he was going to get that type of luck in the NFL. Um, Lamar Jackson, we saw, we didn't know how well he would turn out, but it looks like he's doing, not looks like he is doing super well with the Ravens, won MVP last year. It looks like Kyler's going to do the same thing, though. I mean, he's, uh, I mean, if, if they win that division this year, uh, the NFC West is surprising. So if they win that, if they win the NFC West, uh, I think Kyler Murray wins MVP. If Seahawks win it, uh, I think the Seahawks clearly have the better team, but I think Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson wins MVP if uh, if the Seahawks hang on to win that division. So um, it's also interesting too because the Rams are up there; uh, they're two and zero as well. They have a top five defense uh, in the NFL. They're up there for total defense. Um, I think not statistically, but just the looks of it, just their D line, uh, their corners are solid i don't know how they can afford all that with the salary cap yeah uh, they signed a ton of guys to extensions but uh just the rams overall look really well too um and the cardinals have such an easy schedule since they're playing a last place schedule uh they play like the jets and the lions in the next two games um and the panthers i think too like they they, they have an easy schedule they should start out five and zero. uh the cardinals are the biggest surprise in the nfl so yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, one thing we talked about in our, our preseason um, full, you know, full team, full 32 NFL team discussion is, you know, Arizona's got a hurdle, San Francisco, Seattle, and L.A. And we were thinking, you know, that it's like the, that division is so strong and just the Cardinals, we thought would have a hard time doing, making a huge impact this season. But, yeah, it looks like now the tables are kind of turned where the Rams and the Niners are going to have to be battling now, it seems like, to – compete with the Cardinals but if they keep performing like this so it, they're definitely you know one of the bigger surprises and given given some car, a lot of Cardinals fans on Twitter uh, something to be really excited about yeah definitely and it's good to see it's good to see um, an Arizona team doing really well at this time of year uh, the Suns had a big bubble run uh, came up short the Diamondbacks have been struggling uh, the Coyotes got eliminated early in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really good to see an Arizona pro sports team have the kind of swagger that they do, uh, like Kyler yeah. brings, but the only thing that Arizona needs to fix is their damn jerseys. It looks like they have jerseys from like the early 2000s. So oh, yeah, I mean, I, they, <laughs> they just need to fix that up. They just need to clean them up and make it, make it marketable, make it a good Jersey for people to buy. I mean, they can do it. They could definitely do it. I mean, bring back the old classic ones that Emmett Smith used to wear while he was with the Cardinals. Those would be those would be incredible. Yeah, I mean, I guess it. Yeah, it seems like Larry Fitzgerald's been wearing the same jersey for the last like forty years. <laughs> so yeah, um, he hasn't aged. He hasn't yeah, aged he's, he's still going strong. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, no, it's 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 really good to see uh, Arizona doing well. Um, like they like they should be doing but yeah man let's talk about some of the disappointments to start the season too 
Um, who's your biggest disappointment to start the NFL season? Ooh, biggest disappointment. That, that's a tricky one. Um, I would say week one, probably the Browns would be week one, just because of how, how they got blown oh, out. Through two weeks, through two weeks. We're, at, we're past week one. We gotta, yeah, gotta, I know. We got yeah. updates on. I know, yeah, we got it. <laughs> Let's see. So, oh, man, this is this is a tricky one. Um, I guess there's a there's a handful. Um, I I'm gonna say Houston. I'm gonna say Houston. Um, I think just just with Deshaun Watson, I thought he's just he's having a, he's having a rough two first two weeks and only putting up 16 points uh, against Baltimore on Sunday. They lost 33 to 16 and took a loss on opening night to the Chiefs as well. And I just think that – I guess it was some, somewhat expected with how trading away – or getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins, bringing in David Johnson. It's like a lot of people talked a lot of crap on Bill O'Brien for doing that, and, and, it's, and it's really showing now that, that Deshaun does need DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah, I think – yeah, that, that would be my pick. Um, I'm probably going to say the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, being up here and being around all these Viking fans uh, in North, on the North Dakota-Minnesota border, uh, it's really, really brutal for them to watch this team. Uh, Kirk Cousins had a, a really, really awful game against the Colts on Sunday uh, through three interceptions through like a, for like 110 yards. Uh, they, they really went off the offense that they ran uh, last year with Kevin Stefanski. He's obviously with the Browns. He's their head coach. But um, Gary Kubiak's there, and he's trying to figure out the formula as well. I think last year's formula was incredible. Uh, Dalvin Cook had about 20 carries a game. Kirk Cousins was um, – when they when he didn't throw more than 30 passes in the game, they were winning. So, I mean, the play calling and uh, sticking with the formulas and stuff like that is huge. Uh, if they do that, they'll be in great shape. But um, – yeah, I mean it's it's really disappointing to see how how much they've struggled uh, to start the season and their defense too. Their defense has been pretty passive. So I mean, yeah, I'm gonna go with them. I'm gonna go with the Vikings. They they were supposed to. I picked them to win the division, but they look like they're not gonna make the playoffs now. Yeah, the yeah the 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 week two to four of the NF, the new NFL season is always interesting because. You find out like okay yeah that team oh wow this guy these guys are surprising like the Cardinals are this year but yeah the Vikings are definitely one of those teams where it's like okay I think Minnesota's bad this year and it's like and so it's kind of one of those surprising ones but yeah I think that's a a, a both I think both of them are good good picks and as far as the the least surprised or the um, underwhelming teams this year so yeah I mean they I mean they just they need to figure it out I mean I. Aaron Rodgers and De- uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are on another level. Um, yeah, they look really good. They look they look superb. Um, there's no other way around it. So, yeah. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk some Lakers. Uh, let's talk some Clippers in a little bit. Uh, but the Lakers, they uh, they're cruising through the playoffs. Uh, they lost tonight. Uh, as we're recording this, they lost they lost Tuesday night. So, I mean. The Lakers have kind of been struggling. They've been going downhill. Uh, they blew blew out Denver game one, won on a buzzer beater game two. Uh, game three, they just didn't look good at all until the fourth quarter, uh, turned it on, and then lost by eight. But 
I mean, damn, Corey, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you think about the Lakers so far in the conference finals? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not a really big, I'm not a big what if guy because you know you could just go on forever for what ifs, but I, you know, AD, if AD doesn't hit that buzzer beater, you're looking at a two Lakers down two one in the Western Conference Finals. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Denver is, you know, they're 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 a little they're a creepy team. Like they can creep up on you. They're never gonna go away. They'll hit you with late late game corner threes, and Jamal Murray is just putting on a show and. This, it seems like he's showing new parts of his game almost every every game, if not every other game. So, yeah, I mean, the Lakers. I mean, you can't be you can't just write off the the Nuggets. I mean, going into this, you'd say Lakers were favored to go up 3-0, and it's like, but no, Denver's not going to go away. They're they're not scared, and and I have, I do have to say, as a Clippers fan, that what it did feel good to see the Lakers lose, just because of all the the stuff that's been going around about the Clippers and, 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 uh, and a lot of craziness of going on the last like week and a half or so with the Clippers organization. But um, yeah, so I just, I guess I just wanted to see a good series too. So two, one, it's going to be, it's going to be a hell of a battle. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Nuggets look good, man. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to knock them at all. Uh, they're exhausted though. They look, they, they just look exhausted. Um, the Lakers are well rested. Obviously, uh, they had some time off with the Rock, uh, well, me and the Rockets early. Uh, I'm gonna go into the Nuggets though. The Nuggets had Nuggets. Have, they just have so many pieces. I mean, they have every piece that the Clippers wish they had. Uh, they 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 just look they just look good so far, man. I mean, like they you just have to give Jamal Murray credit. Uh, being a young guy playing in the bubble in the NBA playoffs, I think it helps the younger younger guys a lot. Um, knowing that they're just playing against, uh, they're playing against themselves basically. They're not playing against uh, the crowd in the NBA playoffs. They're not playing against like the home court advantage. They're playing just five on five, and uh, everyone else is just watching from home. But I mean, it helps them a lot. Uh, Jokic looked good too. Uh, defensively, he just defensively he just needs to get it together. Otherwise, uh, they look good so far. Uh, Lakers should be terrified for Game Four. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what I just, you uh, just with Murray, Murray, Grant, and Jokic going, Murray getting twenty eight, Grant getting twenty six, and which I believe was a playoff high, might have been a career high. I I have to double check that. Or, uh, but then yeah, Jokic with twenty two, ten boards, and Murray with twelve assists, eight boards, um, and you know, and even too like on paper, LeBron had thirty point triple double, AD twenty seven points but he only had two rebounds uh playoff low and so for for him and it's really really in that second to third quarter stretch if you look at if you combine those two quarters Denver put up 64 points and LA only put up 48 so it just the Denver just coming down the stretch and being able to close out halftime and then that third quarter is really what killed the Clippers the Clippers just let off the let off the gas in all the third quarters and Denver just found ways to score every time it seemed like so yeah the, the Lakers just they played I think the Lakers just never really got off to a they didn't I don't think they were playing their game from the jump really um it, it seemed like our right, first quarter was a close one but then it seemed like they just weren't fully playing together um but then yeah so it's gonna be it's gonna be I wonder how many games this is gonna go down to 
I mean, I don't know if Denver can survive and can go to seven again. That's going to be – you can imagine going three game sevens. That, that's like – that's like historic playoff uh, runs. But it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, X-Factors like Michael Porter Jr. and Jeremy Grant are stepping up. They only have Will Barton. Will Barton's not even in the bubble. Um, but, I mean, it just goes to show how deep this team is. They're like a piece away pretty much. I want to say a piece away. They have all the pieces. But to get them over the top, it just seems like they're a small forward away from doing so. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, they look good, man. They look solid. Um, they're definitely – going to give the Lakers a tough out game four, five, and six, if it goes to that. So, um, but yeah, let's talk about the Clippers though. Let's talk yeah. about the Clippers lightening up a little bit. Uh, they blew a three, one, three, one series lead after talking all this crap all year about how they were going to win it all and how they were going to do all this and show us this and show us that in the playoffs, load management, uh, resting guys unnecessarily throughout the regular season. Uh, Corey, yeah. We tried calling you. You didn't answer our phone all week. Um, <laughs> you you went ghost. I I understand. Uh, you're on a platform now where you actually have to talk about it. So let's hear your thoughts about the whole Clippers collapse. Wait, was yeah, was that I? Because I was at work. I was I was an absolute train wreck at work that that game um, <laughs> on Friday. But yeah, I was like I was pacing back and forth. I couldn't decide if I wanted to watch because uh, I I got on my break went my 30 minute break in the fourth quarter of the game. And I was like, should I watch it in my car or should I watch it? The TV is there by my desk. And I was just like going back and forth. I couldn't figure it out, but, and I saw your FaceTime come through. I was like, but then it ended. I don't know if it was a, so you were trying to, you were trying to. We, so, so me and uh, Taylor tuning in, shout, shout out to Taylor, but uh, me and Taylor were one of the group FaceTime you and like, oh. bro, me and him, me and him were just laughing for like 30 minutes. We were just laughing, like, it was just, like, comedy to us, I mean, like, just seeing all this, uh, just all, like, the whole night, like, just seeing, like, Twitter just go up in flames about this, about Paul George and Kawhi, I mean, I I warned everyone about Paul George, so it's not a surprise to me, but it's just, it's just funny for everyone to finally catch on and realize that Paul George isn't a superstar, and he's a choker in the playoffs, it's one of my biggest, it's one of my biggest bets, and I always bet against playoff P. And it yeah. finally, it all, it finally paid off. I mean, it, it just, it just, he's not a superstar. I mean, he was getting superstar treatment and like we, we saw today from Chris Broussard that some of the players had a problem with it. I mean, oh yeah, Paul, Paul George is a joke. Paul George is a, gr- a solid player, solid NBA player, but the stuff he says is, is, it makes him a joke. So let's, let's go down the list. So. Oh no, you have a Oh, we have a list. So let's go through the list. Uh, at the beginning of the year at media day, it, he was just like, yeah, it's championship or bust. And like at the very end of game seven, it was like, yeah, no, it's our first time playing together. It's not championship season. Um, yeah, no, I disagree with that highly. And it makes me embarrassed for Clipper fans for him, for you guys to have to deal with that yeah. this whole season, the train wreck of Paul George. So let's start yeah. here. How many draft picks and pick swaps and players did you guys give up for Paul George? Well, with the players, so we gave we gave up Gallinari and Shea Gilgis Alexander, and then there's three. 
2021 picks, I believe. They had – there was there was a record deal to get – There was at least five picks. picks, right? At least five draft picks? It was picks? at least five and, like, three pick swaps. It was, an, it was a mess. You guys basically gave up everything for a second-round exit. But that's <laughs> not the point. The point is, you guys – you guys had Kawhi Leonard, one of the most spoiled NBA. Like, I love Kawhi Leonard. Let's just start there. I love Kawhi Leonard because of his days at San Diego State. Uh, he's truly an underdog story. Um, coming up from Riverside, California, playing at San Diego State, putting them on the map, uh, going to the Spurs, winning finals MVP with Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manny Ginobili um, on that team. And he left the Spurs, didn't want to deal with injury problems, uh, went to Toronto, got traded there with Danny Green, had the load management method, left Toronto after winning a championship, went to L.A., left Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Fleet, Nick Nurse, all those guys for basically a glorified superstar and a bunch of role players. And Doc Rivers, who's the most overrated coach in the NBA in NBA history. Let's start there too. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really really disappointing for Kawhi to look this bad in such a bold move. And he struggled in the playoffs. He struggled in the fourth quarter of the playoffs. He got like in like three in his last three games. He had like five points total in the fourth quarter. Uh, he was miserable. He shot like ten percent. He was not good. He was a very, very bad um, – he was very, very bad in the fourth quarter in all three of their closeout games. And it, I feel bad for Kawhi, but he did this to himself. I mean, he sat out multiple games to try – and, like, this team still needed to get get together. And, I mean, they still need chemistry together. <laughs> people yeah. don't realize that – people don't realize that it takes time to build build chemistry. And when you sit out multiple games in a year – it it does damage to the teammates around you and it does damage to um, the chemistry on the team, like how they're going to play with you, how they're not going to play with you. It's not like you're, you were on like one uh, minutes restrictions. You went into the playoffs, you were playing like 40 to 44 minutes a game. I mean, it was an utter joke for me to witness what Kawhi Leonard did. And this was the first time ever in his career that he had expectations like multiple multiple sports analysts and mo- multiple commentators on sports shows were calling him the best player in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was the first time ever he had expectations and he crumbled, he crunched, he fell apart. He looked, he, they looked like a mess when he was off. I mean, they had, I was, I was always told, yeah, wait for the, wait for the playoffs for the Clippers to do something. And they didn't do anything. They barely beat the Mavericks in six games and they, got destroyed in the last three games by the Nuggets after blowing three consecutive double-digit leads. Yeah, I mean, yeah, something – I think with Kawhi, there's there's something going on that we need to – that need, either needs to get figured out or, or will come out later on in, you know, in this, in this weird offseason that we have coming up ahead. But, yeah, for Kawhi, I, I got the not playing back-to-backs last year in Toronto because he had that whole – weird exit with the Spurs and they thought he was faking this injury and this and that, but um, for it to go this entire year and, and not play back to backs and then to have the, what was it? March, April, May, June, um, July, the four or five month break for the, from the quarantine. And then when he came back into the bubble, he wasn't, he, he 
missed a couple of the back-to-back games too. So it was like, and then, then you boom, you throw him in the playoffs. And it was like, he definitely did not look, he looked like himself in, in, in the first series and where he had that, that streak of at least 25 to 30 points. But then it was like, when they got down to this, to the nitty gritty of this Denver series, it was like, he did not look like himself. And then that fourth quarter of game seven was probably one of the worst perform sports performances of like two superstar or two quote unquote superstars um, that I've ever seen. I mean, and maybe in all sports, I, I, I don't remember a fourth quarter like that bad from two superstars in a, in a long time. I mean, they had, I believe they had, they had five Clippers whole team scored like five points with like eight five or five or so minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter. So, and they only, they scored about 15 points in that fourth quarter. So that was just, that was just astonishing to me. Um, almost like those last couple games were just a blur. It was like, what the heck just happened? So, um, yeah, yeah, Kawhi, I don't know. He, I guess he could kind of expect it from, from Paul George because of his up and down play. But, but for Kawhi to just be completely out of rhythm, wasn't playing his game, there was reports that, some Clippers players were winded and weren't able to, they didn't, they were asked, did you, that, I, I lost it when I heard that. I was like, it just got, it got worse and we're like, okay, the game seven, game, <laughs> game seven loss was already bad enough. They somehow, <laughs> they, the Clippers somehow outdid themselves with, with three, one losses, three, two losses, whatever. <laughs> it, and then, then there's all these reports coming out about, Paul George getting laughed at in his post-game speech. Players that were winded. Like, so it's like, that was just, at that point, like, I just completely was like, I was laughing at all the Twitter oh stuff because I was like, it, it's all true. I mean, if it, it's, it's, it's all, if, man, there's lots of words, but. Yeah, oh my God, you can't make this up. I know it's really. It, I mean, honestly, I think it's one oh, of the worst. Oh lord! I for me personally, it's one of the worst like collapses of up eighteen, up three one, in the third quarter, I believe. Third quarter. Just, oh my god! Wow. At, at that point, at that point, it's like I. To be honest, like I didn't. I didn't even want the Clippers anymore in the in the <laughs> Western Conference Finals. Like they did not. They did not deserve. <laughs> Uh, I just think the funniest part was just when PG hit the side of the backboard and <laughs> oh. with like four minutes left. I was just like... <laughs> that was, I, no, trust me, that, that was part yeah. of the train wreck when I was at work. Like, I was like, actually, it's probably better that I was at work because if I was at home, I probably would be down, not have a TV in the living room right now. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I just... I just, how do you, Oh my God. I, I get that NBA is a tough sport. I mean, NBA is tough. It's, it's the best players in the world, but, but like the side of the backboard, <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Kawhi, oh, made Lord. and De- I mean, Denver's a good team too. It's like, it's, but it's just, it's just, Denver is a good team, but you're not blowing three double-digit leads in games five, six, and seven to anyone else. Yeah. I mean, oh, only the Clippers, man. I, I'm telling you, like they, the Lakers rebuilt faster than they did. Yeah, oh man, the Lakers had 
<laughs> the Lakers had like six years when they didn't make the playoffs, and the like Clippers had like six years when they couldn't make it past the second round. And one oh, of the yeah. years where the Clippers are called the best team and stuff, I can't even get to the conference finals. It's hilarious. Yeah. But I mean, just the most grief that um, Laker Laker fans got from about losing all these years was they got most from Clipper fans. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying you specifically, I'm saying the internet and poll, but like. Clipper fans made fun of Laker fans for so many years because of Robert Sacre and Jordan Clarkson starting and uh, um, Steve Blake. I mean, they just those characters alone. I mean, they had they were one of the worst teams in like in their whole career in their whole history, and they still rebuilt faster than than the Clippers. I mean. Uh, you can't make this up, man. It's it's pure comedy. And it just but. got worse and worse. But, I mean, also Lou Williams, too, like right after the game, saying that they had chemistry issues and, and saying that they too, had too many guys from different systems. And it's like, man, this is, this is extended playoffs. This is, we're way past where the, the NBA should not be playing in almost October. And it's like you guys are still trying to figure out chemistry issues. And it seemed like Doc didn't even care. He was like – he said he wasn't going to hype up his team before the game. And it was like, he literally looked like it didn't, it, it looked like he didn't care if he would have won or if he would have won that game, he would have been the same reaction as if he lost that game like he did, but it was just a mess. Yeah. I mean, they, Doc Rivers is um, without that 08 Celtics team and he's a glorified um, head coach at best. Um, he didn't really do his job at all. Like, even when they were up 3-1, they had an opportunity to close. Like, he was just like, all right, guys, go figure it out yourselves. Like, um, yeah. there, was no, there was no system in place, it looked like. Kawhi was running the offense one possession. Paul George was running the offense another possession. Patrick Beverly, like, three different guys in, like, three possessions taking the ball up uh, for the Clippers. Uh, there was no playmaker at all. The Clippers were trying to get a playmaker. Um, they had Reggie Jackson. They didn't even play. They didn't even put him in the rotation at the end of the playoffs. Um, it was an utter joke. Um, Reggie Jackson would have started probably on the Lakers. Um, I mean, he would have gotten minutes and he would have played just fine. Also, the Lakers are missing a starter and they made it farther than the Clippers. And same with the same with the Nuggets too, which is completely hysterical considering the fact that uh, the Clippers were injury riddled all year they were finally healthy they rested load managed for like five months worked out got in shape i thought they did but then uh it all went it all went downhill when lou williams went to atlanta city and Uh they and he went to uh he, he just wanted some chicken wings i mean he can go back there now and do that but like yeah, man, it was it's it was a wrap after that. I mean, and then Montrez struggling to get back. They didn't look like themselves. They all all their numbers plummeted. Uh, Paul George was just Paul George is a glorified superstar. He's not um, he's not really made for the moment. Um, you could tell um, when he's needed most, he crumbles in big situations. I'm going to laugh at Paul George more than Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi, we never see this from. Kawhi is a champion. Kawhi is, yeah, Kawhi's legacy really is pretty much set. Um, but, yeah, everyone's saying he was better than LeBron right now. No, stop it. 
Kawhi was second team All NBA, and two Lakers were first team All NBA, and everyone was saying he was the best player all year. And I mean, if that's the best he could do, I mean, like he's not, he's probably top 15, top 20 all time, but in his peak, but all around as a player and throughout his career, um, I don't know, man, probably top 30, top 40, but I mean, for us to hype up, for us to hype up Kawhi Leonard, like the media did, uh, it was shameful, it was disrespectful to LeBron, and he took note of it, and now he's in the conference finals, so, um, yeah, it, it's a bad luck all around for the Clippers, and they need to do something about Doc, Doc needs to go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, uh, and one thing too, um, Bill, Billy, Billy Donovan, uh, the Thunder head coach that just got picked up by, or just uh, announced that he's the Bulls head coach. I thought, you know, Billy Donovan could have been a good, a good uh, plug in for the Clippers, but, you know, but yeah. too late on that one. And then, but I don't know, I don't really know what you do about it, Doc. It's kind of tough. And, um, but he just, it seems like there needs to be a change. It might, there, I mean, their, their whole coaching staff was stacked. Like they had, they even had Ty Lue on the bench uh, as, you know, former head coach and with Doc Rivers and their whole team was super deep with everything. And, it's just like, how do you, you almost think it's like, that's got to be one of his bigger failures as a head coach. Yeah. And it just, it just, I mean, I knew the Clippers weren't going to make the Western Conference finals, but I didn't know it was going to go down like this. Like I didn't oh, Yeah. Rick, man. I mean, I knew they weren't going to win the Western Conference. They probably could have made the Western Conference finals, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's a really tough look all around to see what this franchise did to themselves and what holes they did and to themselves, what, how, just how they crumbled and collapsed and one of the biggest moments of their life and one of the best teams ever to um, be assembled in that, in that franchise's history for them to lose like that is it's bizarre. It's bizarre to say the least. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, the tough thing about that too is like, you've seen other teams in the past too. And I mean, even LeBron is, you know, where he promised like seven championships for the heat and he came up short on um, more times than, than he promised, but it just, it just not, not, he didn't come up short in that way. Like he still made it to the finals and just didn't, didn't fully make it, get that ring. But, but what this Clippers loss is like, this is like, this is like, you almost need to revamp your team and just to get over this because like, and now people are thinking about it or people are wondering, and there's rumors of is Paul George going to be on the trading block? Um, you know, what, what are the Clippers going to do to get over this? Because this is, this is like, this is like long-term scarring for, for I'm sure for some of these players. So it's like, it's, it's tough. You, something's got to be done though to, to, to try to figure this out. Yeah. They looked, they looked dreadful the last three games and they just, um, they, yeah, they, they looked horrible, yeah. but, um, Corey, let's get into our new segment of, uh, the dagger, um, okay. it's called dagger or no dagger. Basically what happens is we say, we say a hot take and if we agree with it, we'll say dagger. And then if we don't agree with it, it's no dagger, but let's start here. Let's start with, uh, I'll go for, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. Um, we're going to go NFL and say the two worst teams in the NFL are both based in New York. Dagger or no dagger? Ooh. 
I would, I'm going to say that's the dagger. Yeah, that's the <laughs> New York uh, claiming that, that, uh, that, that, that title for two worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Jets just looking like, you know, Sam Darnold is looking like he's, he just needs a lot more around him and he's got to develop quickly too. I mean, he's only been in the league for a few years, but it, but his time's coming up too. I mean, and then, you know, with the Giants losing Saquon and already being down 0-2 and like, that's just, it's just a tough year. And Danny Dimes, turnover prone, just, it's, it's going to be a tough look for those tough, tough road for the rest of those ball clubs. Yeah. They, it's really, really rough to see um, both of those franchises going down the dumps. Uh, the Jets look awful. The Jets are hideous. They need to get rid of Adam Gase. Uh, the Giants are one of the youngest teams in the NFL. Obviously, we can't blame them. Uh, they signed Devontae Freeman for the rest of the season, so they do have a primary back now. Uh, I think it was like a one-year, $3 million deal. So good for Devontae Freeman. Uh, he deserves to be on an NFL team. Uh, I think it's a shame. I think it's a crime that he's not. But, yeah, no, he needs to be He needs to be on an NFL team. The Rams had him at one point and then released him. So, yeah. All right. Let's see what you got. Okay. So, I this one kind of – this one we, we somewhat touched about or talked about um, in the last segment, but uh, dagger and no dagger, Doc is the main problem of the Clippers. I'm going to say – I'm not going to say – I'm going to go no dagger. I'm not going to say he's the main problem. He is a big part of the problem, but I'm not going to say he's the main reason why that all happens. Um, consistently over the years, yeah, it's you look at him and he's the same guy that's been there with all the disappointments, Lob City, um, this this team, whatever this was, a bunch of guys jumbled together, you name it. But I mean, uh, I'm most of my blame is going to go on Paul George. Uh, Paul George is a I can't say enough how uh, just how much crap he talks, how much he talks about being the guy how much he talks about being a superstar. He even talked about – he tried to give the team a pep talk and no one listens. Like, no one respects him. Not even the – like, no one – like, NBA Twitter doesn't respect him. Uh, NBA fans don't respect him. He's overpaid. He's making more than Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Yeah, no, it's it's bad. It's a bad situation for Paul George, definitely. Uh, Getting traded twice mid-contract and – he signed with OKC, signed a four-year deal, and then requested a trade to go to LA. I mean, yeah, it's a bad look for Paul George all around. I think he's the main problem. He needs to figure out his playoff struggles. Uh, putting up 10 points in a game seven is unacceptable. And that whole team in total, putting up 89 points is absolutely brutal. So Definitely, yeah. But, yeah, let's move on. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you one. Um, okay. So... Dagger or no dagger, the the L.A. Chargers start Tyrod Taylor week three versus the Carolina Panthers. Whoa. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm gonna say no dagger on that one. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say Anthony Anthony Lynn needs to needs to it's the time is now for Herbert Herbert Mania Herbert Mafia uh, to take over in L.A. and you know. Why not develop your young quarterback when you can? Right now, he's healthy. The team's doing good, or the team's in a good spot. New stadium, new uniforms. Let's go with a new quarterback. He took him six overall. Let's 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 ride with Herb. Herbie fully, Herbie fully loaded. 
Yeah, he, he, uh, Herbo, basically. Herbo, yeah. Herbo, full turbo. Um, they need to they need to find an identity in LA, and this is one way to do it with a um, with a franchise quarterback. And mm-hmm. if they're going to be up there, they need to do it now before it's too late. Yeah, before the whole fan base riots, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, dagger and no dagger, Joe Burrow, go Tigers, is better than Baker Mayfield. Already. Better than Baker Mayfield. I'm going to say dagger. Uh, Joe Burrow had 60 passing attempts uh, versus the um, versus the yeah. Cleveland Browns on Thursday. And, I mean, he can only do so much. I mean, they lost by five. And he he's not the main – I mean, he's, he's obviously a piece that keeps him in the games. But, like, that team's horrible. That team's horrible. You can't blame him. Uh, you could tell, by the way, Joe reacts to some of these losses. Uh, he's a winner. Uh, Baker has has to figure it out. I mean, he's very limited with what he can do. I think, oh, like, if you can go over and about with Joe Burrow, you can do have him do anything he wants. Um, in an NFL game, Baker, you have to really control what he does before he gets out of control. And giving Baker full control like he did last year, he was one of the top NFL leaders in interceptions. Uh, the Browns were disappointing. He had so much expectation on him. And after a good rookie stint, I mean, he led the he led all rookies ever in um, for quarterbacks and in, in touchdowns thrown. So. Uh, I mean, he he was in he was in a good, he was in a good spot, and then they got OBJ. Didn't really help the, that the O line was terrible, but this year he has all the pieces to be successful. Uh, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, um, similarities I'm seeing with Kevin Stefanski's offense. Uh, and then, yeah, they just need to learn how to run that offense. I think Baker should get the fifth year extension, but. Uh, I mean, they they have to ride it out. I mean, he was drafted number one for a reason. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with Burrow for now. I mean, Burrow is a winner. He looks like he has that it factor, and he can drive his drive the team downfield whenever he wants. And genetically, Burrow's much better. I mean, six four compared to six foot. I mean, yeah, no no chance. Burrow Burrow it is. Yeah, I I agree with that too, and I think. Especially with, if you look at his ceiling, I think that Burrow has so much more potential too, and down the road, and even with the next two, two or three years, the short term. But I think it's also, luckily with with Baker, he's been able, his GM and his coaches have been able to surround him with these elite players and with the running game, tight ends, wide receivers. But the Bengals have been the Bengals, and so it's been it's been tough. So I think that these this this organization. Cincinnati has really got to step up and protect their quarterback, protect Joe Burrow, number one, but get him those weapons. He's got AJ Green and Joe Mixon, but I think let's get let's get a little more weapons in, and maybe Burrow can attract some more free agents too. All right, um, let's think of one here. Uh, let's see, the Bears. The Bears are two and zero right now, so yeah. Uh, Mitch Mitch Trubinsky didn't get the fifth year option. Um, this is his fourth year, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mitch Trubinsky re-signs with the Bears after this off season. 
dagger or no dagger. Yeah. I I could see that. I I do. I think you know two games. It's early. It's quick. Um, they barely they, they only want they only beat Giants by four. So it it, it you know it was a close one, but yeah, that's a tricky one. You know, it's still early. We didn't have we weren't really sure what to expect, and it's two games in. It, you know, if he continues this way, the way he's going, getting these wins, I can definitely see it happening. But that one's a little I'm, – I'm in between on that one. I don't know, but that's a tricky one. Well, it's dagger or no dagger. I know. Can't be. You said – so he, he will resign with it? He with will that? resign at the end of the season. Dagger or no dagger. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm going to go dagger. I'll go dagger. You want dagger? All right. Yeah. Stuff. And then, okay, I, I can throw one in there too. Okay, um, and the last last one. We're gonna do last one, and then we're gonna move on. The Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse my loud, Chris Berman. <laughs> the Raiders. <laughs> uh, okay, the Raiders are the real deal this year, and the two and zero is gonna. These two wins are gonna last. I'm gonna go. Oh man, um, I'm gonna go no dagger, and the reason why is I still do not trust their defense. I trust their offense heavily. Josh Jacobs is the real deal. I think he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. Um, he's top ten definitely, but I do not trust their defense. I do not trust their defense at all. T.J. Abrams uh, is really, really, really good. We saw him last year in. Uh, training camp he got injured for the rest of last season um we obviously we obviously saw the whole Antonio Brown's high raid too but um but I'm gonna go no dagger I think they're gonna slip a little bit their defense is gonna catch up to them when they're struggling in the high scoring games uh Derek Carr's the real deal though um I'm glad he's there he puts that uh franchise into stability for the near future uh, and I mean, he needs to. I mean, they just need to. They need to control their defense. Like, if the Raiders' defense is as scary as it sounds, then they need to prove that game by game. I mean, the Panthers went off on them. The Saints had their way for for the first half against them, but um, yeah, they need to. They need to tune up that defense, and they'll be playoff contenders for sure. But right now, I'm not going to say they are. Okay. So Sounds we're going to move on. Yeah, well, that was a good that was a good segment. We're gonna move on. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit of Stanley Cup real quick and talk golf. Um, but Stanley Cup final, uh, Dallas and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay and Dallas are tied two one. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching. I've been watching a little bit. But how do you see that series going? It's a one 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 right. It's one one right now. It's gonna be uh, game three at Dallas or quote unquote at Dallas in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a this, this is an exciting. It's it's definitely a weird year, like you know, like all the other sports are. But um, the NHL too, it's just a little bit more weird because you just I, that playoff hockey is just so special. And I feel like without the fans, it's been it's it's a little bit. It's just kind of the more weird ones for me, I'd say. Out of all the, it above. feels like the NBA kind of with the higher seeds being really good and the lower seeds not really doing much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but you know, the stars it seems stars I feel like have been rolling through everybody, especially they they got through Vegas four one and I believe they they got off the one oh, right? They they won the first stars took the first game. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I, you know, I might, I'm going to ride, I'm going to ride with the stars on this one. Um, but you never know. It's that bubble. It's an NHL bubble. So how about you? Yeah, I'm going to go. I, I love the stars. Uh, I went to the, like, I went to their Stanley Cup. I went, not Stanley Cup. I went to the Winter Classic this year when they played Nashville. Oh, yeah. Uh, last big sporting event I went to, it was filled with 100,000 people uh, okay. at the Cotton Bowl. It was one of the coolest sporting events I've ever attended in my entire life. And it was a bubble. It was a bucket list for me. It keeps things mm-hmm. bubble. Wow. <laughs> bubble list. Um, yeah, bubble list. But, um, yeah, no, it was, it was one of the best sporting events I've ever gone to. And they're loaded. Like, the owner called them out at the beginning of the year for under, underachieving. And they look, they look good, man. I mean, they're just loaded. I mean, they have former Duck Corey Perry. Um, Miro Heskinen has been one of their best players. Uh, he's a rising young star, uh, just entering his 20s. I mean, like, like he's special. He's something else. And um, he's going he's gonna to be – He's going to be a, the future of that franchise for sure. But Jamie Ben, Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, um, Corey Perry, Corey Perry, and like just Alex. Yeah, I mean they they've been good. They've been really really good. And uh, John Klingberg as well. Um, but yeah, no, they they've been really good. And the Lightning too. I mean, like the Lightning had a, a big collapse last year to uh, the Blue Jackets, but they beat him this year in the first round. Um. Yeah, they've been on a roll too. They're not. They're looking to get their revenge and make up for that epic collapse last year. They they won the best regular season records, and now now they're in the playoffs. They're looking to win that cup, and like they should have done last year. So I mean, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's big time. But we also got to talk about Anton uh, Antoine Kudobin too. Uh, he's been goalie of the playoffs. Um, they had Ben Bishop. They had uh, they this week. They had Ben Bishop and they had um, oh, they had another goalie too. But they right now, I mean, Joe Pavelski, Joe Pavelski too. One of their forwards has been on a roll. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 pretty pretty nice to see this team doing so well and getting off to a really really good start and like to the Stanley Cup final and destroying Tampa Bay but yeah no it's they've they've been they've been on a roll there's something else yeah definitely so um yeah let's go into U.S. Open talk uh my guy Bryson DeChambeau yeah uh, people call him the most annoying golf uh annoying golfer of all time I call him the most exciting golfer of all time the dude can drive the shit out of the ball <laughs> let me tell you um but yeah no it's he uh he is yeah no he had um one of the best performances of his uh tournament career um winning the u.s open is obviously huge uh dechambeau has been a golf darling for the last like like throughout quarantine he's been a golf darling um and he's been he's been the he's been the guy honestly he's been the guy to get it done so uh he played really good golf this weekend and he closed it out pretty early on Sunday. So, yeah, and um, I saw you know Matt Wolf was leading too for a while there, the uh, LA uh, LA native. Um, and so he's got it, Matt Wolf has one of the craziest swings of all time. He's got that hitch. I don't know if you've seen it. He's got almost like the Jim Furyk 
loop. Yeah. Wait, like hitch. He does the hitch before and then swings back. But, but yeah, I mean, I was kind of rooting for him there. But then, yeah, DeShambo, you know, got pulled it out. And um, th- this was a tough course for a lot of, you know, the of the veteran guys. Tiger Woods was, didn't make the cut at plus 10. And Phil was out and didn't make the cut. Phil Mixon didn't make the cut either. But, yeah, it's a new wave, new wave of golf. And DeShambo is definitely – up there with him and Dustin Johnson, Justin, Justin Johnson. Yeah. Really going out this last, uh, in the pandemic for sure. And San Diego native Xander Shoffley too. Pretty sure he was oh, yeah. San Diego State also. So yeah. Um, yeah. Placed fifth at the uh, U.S. Open. So great to mm-hmm. see that as well. But we're going to go um, Dagger yes. 5 to close out the show and then Dagger, Dagger of the Week too. So I'll oh, start yeah. with um i'll start with my dagger five uh, we're gonna go with do a little nfc west edition we're gonna do rams and bills i think that's gonna be a really good game uh two two and no teams uh mm-hmm. rams are plus two i'm gonna take the rams uh this sunday week three uh it should be a really really good game and some really exciting football coming our way this upcoming week um also we're gonna go we're gonna look at Dolphins and Jags. Uh, I think I'm, I'm going to pick the Jags outright and the spread, regardless. Um, yeah, no, the the Jags looked good in Week One. Um, they looked good re- Week One against the Colts. Uh, they had they challenged the Titans Week Two as well. Um, I wouldn't sleep on them. Uh, I think the I think the Jags are going to uh, run away with this against the Dolphins. And uh, they're three-point favorites, so I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see. <clears throat> I'm gonna see if that that will be um, if that will be the move. I think Jags minus three uh, should be should be a a good pick for the week. Uh, what else? Uh, Panthers Chargers. This all depends on who starts for the Chargers, Tyrod or. Um, Tyrod or Justin Herbert, but uh, regardless, I'm going to pick the Chargers uh, minus six and a half points. Uh, they should be in good shape as well. Okay. So, um, also, we're going to go with the Sunday night game as well. Uh, Green Bay at New Orleans. I think Green Bay's favored in that game, I think by like three points or something. But I'm going to go with Green Bay. They look good. And I might flip-flop on that. I'm not sure. I think the Saints might come back and have a stronger week with Michael Thomas coming back, but also Green Bay's on the rules. So it's it's a really tough decision. You know, I'm going to switch it. I'm going to go Saints plus three at, yeah. uh, at the Superdome. And to finalize it, I'm going to go Chiefs and Ravens, Monday Night Football. Um, Ravens are at home. Chiefs are on the road. Uh, I'm going to go with – I think it's a one – I think one and a half or one is the spread in favor of the Ravens. I'm going to, I'm going to take the Ravens. Uh, I think that they're a complete team. Uh, this is the first time, by the way, we're seeing two MVPs, former MVPs, uh, go at it b- before the age of 25. So that's also an interesting stat. Uh, two MVP quarterbacks, by the way. So yeah. I'm going to go with the Ravens. That's my dagger five. Corey, let's hear it. Yeah, the, that one that uh, the Ravens Chiefs game was uh, leading off my dagger five too, um, and so yeah, both teams two no, 
Monday Night Football. That's gonna be awesome. Uh, I'm I'm yeah, it's in Baltimore, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Kansas City pulls this one off. Goes in goes in there and and takes it to to Baltimore. Um, but then, I mean, other than you basically hit all my NFL games, but I'll I'll throw in um, I'll throw in Seattle and Dallas. Um, one thing we didn't we didn't get a chance to talk about was the complete Dallas collapse of the. They didn't go. They, no one jumped on the onside That's kick. That's right. And uh, nobody jumped on the onside kickball. Everyone was looking at it like it wasn't even a football. Atlanta uh, uh, blew like a twenty-point lead. I think it was twenty-eight nothing in the second quarter. They completely choked. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was that was pretty bad. Dak Dak Prescott did a great job of coming back. By the way, what a, what a game by him. Yeah, yeah, that was a great game. Um, and also the Sunday night football game too with Cam Newton and the Seahawks. That was a great game. Yeah, it came down to the wire. Cam Newton got the got the ball, you know, one yard line. He drove it all the way down there and just couldn't couldn't get through the Seahawks defense. But um, but yeah, so Dallas, Seattle, that's gonna be a great game. Uh, Sunday at one twenty five Pacific, and then uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna throw in um, Vegas and New England. I think it's gonna be a great game too. High scoring, kind of like the Seattle New England game. Um, and then uh, and then also you know game. Uh, game, wait, game five, uh, or no, wait, no, game four of the Lakers and Nuggets. And that, that's basically going to round, get, uh, round off my, my daggers. Let's hear, let's hear your picks though. Let's hear, let's hear who you have in this game. Oh yeah. Okay. So I take Chiefs. I'm going to take Chiefs. Uh, I'm going to take, uh, New England uh, and New England versus uh, Las Vegas in New England. Um, and then what did we have? What else did we have? Oh, for the Chargers game, I'm going to take the Chargers. Um, for Rams, yeah, I think Rams can get it done in Buffalo. Um, that's going to be a close game. Yeah, easy, like you're saying, two-point two point favorite for Buffalo. Um, and then I think that I think the Lakers would bounce back and, and go up go up three three to one. Um, and, and how many was that? Four or five? Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. So we're going to go into our dagger of the week. Uh, Corey, what do you have for us? I'm going to go just cause it's Tuesday night. I'm going to go with the insane, uh, crazy rainbow shot from Jamal Murray tonight to kind of ice the game, uh, and secure that, that first game for the, uh, that first win for the uh, Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals so far. All right. Well, I'm going to go against my own team. I'm going to go against the Chargers. Uh, give Harrison Bader some um, Harrison Butler some credit. I think um, he hit 258-yard field goals. I think uh, I'm not sure, but I mean, he had himself a day. Kicked three field goals against the Chargers. One with time. Uh, one. One for uh, for time to expire at the um, at the end of regulation, one overtime to win it. Uh, I think that was 58 yards. So that was a boom booming kick. Uh, yeah, I mean that so it took the soul right out of me on Sunday. Let me tell you. And then the comments from Anthony Lynn too also really really just just beat my heart up in uh, all around. So. Yeah, no, it just felt it just felt like I got another punch in the gut after losing the Chiefs with Anthony Lynn's comments. But yeah, it just it was it was devastating. Yeah, that was a crazy sequence because 
the the fall the offensive false start from the Chiefs, but Harrison made that, and then the and then Anthony Lynn iced the kicker, and he still made that one, and then after the timeout, then he made he finally made the third uh, shot to make the to to win that game. So yeah, no, it was it was a crazy crazy game on Sunday, but. Um, that does it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We apologize for the late episode. Uh, for those wondering, uh, we most likely will be doing these on Tuesdays. I mean, potentially we'll see. Uh, just check out our uh, iTunes and Spotify uh, channels. Subscribe there for all of our content uh, we produce each week. But, uh, I mean, yeah, follow us on uh Follow us on social media too, at the Dagger Pod on Instagram and then at the Dagger underscore pod on Twitter. But uh, that does it for us today, uh, tonight, this week, whenever you're listening, uh, wherever you're listening. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, you guys have been great so far. Uh, give us some feedback, add us on Twitter, add us on Instagram. Let us know what you think about some of the episodes that are being released on a weekly basis. So uh, I'm Justin Pierce. Corey Kennedy, that's my guy. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out.